You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to join me in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 10 through 16 will be our focus of teaching today. Uh, Steve's leading our church through the Gospel of Matthew, and it's going to be a great series for us. Uh, so keep your seatbelt on. It'll be all next year. We're excited about that. It's just good to work through a passage, work through the Gospels, and to see what God has for us. Last week, we talked about uh, the Beatitudes. Uh, Beatitudes speak of blessings uh, and encouragement. Uh, we had last week eight po- sermon points last week, eight sermon points. Today, we have 10 sermon points. I'm just, make, I'm just messing with you. All right. We've got the traditional three servant, servant points, so just three of them today, all right? So it'll be, it'll be good. Uh, the Beatitudes have been oftentimes described as the world's greatest sermon, and uh, it's just practical, uh, convicting for us to look at the passage here. I love it because these are the very words of Jesus. Uh, thank God for the truth of his word that is given to us, and going through the Gospels, we hear so much of Jesus and the very words that he spoke. Uh, In this passage today, in chapter 5, verse 10 through 16, our focus will be on our relationship with the world, and not the the world that we live in, the planet, but the world people, and how God has called us to live out our faith, uh, salt and light, to make a difference in our community and make a difference in our culture for the cause of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bible here, let me look with you, and we'll read this passage, and I look forward to our time Uh, in God's word today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 16. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for this passage in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Use your word uh, to change us, to challenge us, to convict us, Uh, Thank you for the privilege today to gather and uh, together hear your word and and together grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, God, we need your leadership through this. Uh, Give us focus on your word 
I, I thank you for each person in this room and those who are watching online that today, God, uh, you would speak. Your word is living and dynamic. And so today, God, teach us, uh, convict us and encourage us, we pray. We ask in Jesus' name and, and together, church, we said, amen. amen. This section of scripture we're going to look at today with three, what I call three significant statements. First of all, the reality of persecution, the reality of persecution, the priority of salt, and then the necessity of light. The reality of persecution here, we read that he says, happy are those, uh, blessed are those, uh, congratulations, really, okay, fortunate of those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. The word persecution is a word that can define, it's the root idea of to be pursued. It has the idea of pressure or to put to flight, to be chased, to just to get away, to run, to run. And Jesus is reminding us that persecution is inevitable as a Christ follower. And so he says, blessed are those, and notice what it says here, who are persecuted for righteousness sake, not persecuted for maybe how, our, how we're just not very nice to people or persecuted for how we treat people. He says we are persecuted for righteousness sake, for right living, how we live our life right. And by Christ's fault, that's how we should live. Amen, church? Amen. To live away, not power up on people, not get crazy with stuff and, and make statements on social media that we shouldn't be making that don't honor God, that, that, that's, we, we need to live in a way that is righteous and, and right before others. And Jesus is reminding us that persecution is inevitable for every believer. He says that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about that last week, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are interchangeable, yet both define a spiritual role of God in the hearts of believers. In essence, the kingdom of God is nothing less than the power of God. And, and, and hearing, hearing comes by hearing the word. And he's saying, be, be careful how you hear. Today, as we read this passage and look at this passage, be careful how you hear the word of God today and, and how you apply this word of God to your life, to your life. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, blessed when others insult you and pursue you, and lie on my account. Be glad for a great reward awaits for you in heaven, and remember the ancient prophets were persecuted. Prophets like Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Hosea were persecuted for who they were as leaders and prophets. I, I thought about our persecution here. I, my, my thought went right to, to Jesus and all that he experienced on the cross. It's hard for us to wrap our arms and even my, our mind about what he went through and the persecution he endured for you and I to have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Un unbelievable, unbelievable. He experienced, I would say, the ultimate persecution. And so when Jesus, when Jesus is teaching, when you determine to live like Jesus, you will experience a certain amount of persecution. It's not that we're looking for it, that we can't wait to get into somebody's grill. It's just when we live out our faith, when we live out the eight Beatitudes, we're going to experience persecution. Say that. We don't have to try to turn it up. 
make it happen. If we live out our life as Christ followers, we, are you with me, church? We will experience persecution. For the most part, as believers in our culture, we don't experience very much persecution for the cause of Christ. I personally believe, I'm not a prophet, but I believe as the days go by, it's going to get worse and worse. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come that we will experience more persecution. We get some political persecution, things that are happening with people in conversations. But in reality, we're not really, we're able to gather and worship today. We're, there's people around the world who can't do this, what we're doing today. They can't gather and have a Bible and do things together. Like, so we are super blessed, yeah. right? And, and with that, we've got to be careful not to just sink into all this. We've got to say, hey, we've been given this. And God, how can you use our life to make a difference in the lives of others because of what you're doing in our life presently. So God is pleased when his people, me and you, live out our lives courageously, live out our lives righteously. Here's what Jesus said in John 15 and verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Remember the word that I said to you, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. History records the followers of Jesus Christ who were persecuted, who died for their faith. For example, James was beheaded. Philip was crucified. Matthias was stoned and beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. The apostle Paul was beheaded in Rome. All 12 disciples, counting Paul 13, all of them experienced persecution to death, except John who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. So think about it. All the, all the first century church leaders, all the church leaders in the first century died for the cause of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's who we are, amen? That's, our found, that's amazing to me. It's overwhelming. According to Open Doors, a Christian organization that, that monitors worldwide persecution, here are their statistics. Christians are the most persecuted people group on the earth. Second, one in eight Christians worldwide are persecuted for their faith. Every two hours, every two hours, a Christian is killed for following Jesus. I did the math, 12 times two in a day is what? 24, 24 times 30. I came up like about 360 believers a month. There's not that many people in this room right here. Maybe it might be 300 people in here. You met 300 people every month in here dying for the cause of Jesus Christ. North Korea, number one. Somalia, number two. You think of Iran, all these places where there's persecution everywhere. We've, we've had a respite for the most part, but I, but I believe that persecution is, is coming. I, I, you know, I, I believe it's going to happen. In the last days, perilous times are going to come. Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not you might, maybe, but you will. And even now as we live our life, how, how are we living our life how are we living our life? How, how are we, as he's going to talk with us here, how are we about salt and light? 
to be the salt and light of the world. And when we're the salt and light of the world, we, we will experience some persecution. It's not that we're looking for it, trying to you know, get it happening, making it happen. It's just when we live out our life, it'll make a difference in the lives of others. It's convicting. It's convicting. And so we see the reality of persecution and then the priority of salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. That word you is emphatic. Jesus saying, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. And so he's saying today, you, and you back there, and you up here, right over here, you back there, and you over here, and you and you and you and you and you, right? Not us, you. Where you live, where you work, your family dynamic, school dynamic, whatever, community. Are you with me, church? You, where you live in your neighborhood, where I live, we're to be salt, salt. Salt has the idea to preserve, right? To prevent decay. Now, too much salt isn't good, right? Too much salt, you know, salt we think for us is is flavor and it has an idea that salt does flavor, right? God says the salt of the earth here helps us to prevent decay in our culture. It's not that we're throwing people, you know, salt in people's eyes and just dumping a salt shaker all over them. That's not what it's like. It's just God using our life and we all have different abilities. We, we have just different personalities. You're not like me. I'm not like you. You're thankful you're not like me probably. You know, I get it. My wife says that often to me. All right, not really, not really. But we're just, we're, so just be who you are. Be who you are, where you are. God's called you to be, to live that out. In the ancient world, salt was a valuable commodity. In fact, our English word, we get salary, comes from the Latin salaris. Uh, Roman soldiers were, were even paid with salt. Paid with salt. So we're to be the salt of the earth. And salt is this, this metaphor. It is this reminder for us how we're to live out our life. I love that. Jesus says, you, Bob, you are the salt of the earth. He calls us to be salt. He's given us an assignment to be different in our culture. To make a difference in the lives of others. I say it often at Antioch that we do it with compassion, with courage, with conviction, it's not throwing the salt shaker at somebody in their face. It's not, that's, not what it, that's not helping, all right? But, but we as believers can use it to prevent decay. I believe we're probably where we are as a nation because of Jesus and, and believers. Are you with me, church? That are, that are, we've got all kinds of problems in America, but America, for the most part, is a great place to live. Right? Great place to live. Let's, let's be the salt so what does it look like to be salty and to be salt? I just jotted a couple thoughts in my notes. Uh, you know, stay involved, get involved with your kids, your family. Uh, get involved in your school environment, uh, PTA, school board. Uh, things are different these days. You just can't really hardly, you just can't walk into a school these days. And I understand that totally. But back in the days with Lyndon West, where we lived, we could, we could walk to school 
and you could just, you just could walk in, walk right in, walk right to the teacher's room and just walk right in and have a conversation. It just was totally different. You could walk in and have lunch with them. I'm, just, I'm not making excuses. It was just a different day. It's different. But we, it doesn't mean we can't have, have salt. I'm thankful for the people in this room that are, that are teachers. I look around here and just see different ones who are teachers. Thank you for what you do. And I know the restrictions that something you can't say or do, but thank you for being where you are to be salt, all right? To be an encouragement to others. Thank you. Thank you. It may be sports programs. It could be your neighborhood, your HOA, community service, helping with food banks, get involved in the city chamber, Vote, pray. Whatever. Are you with me, church? Just somewhere, just step, how that can look for you in your life. I know I've shared my story and I don't want it to be just about me. I work with a whole group of people that are all Christians. Steve's a believer, but, you know, he's a believer and so is Todd and all. So it's, it's great. It's, it's a blessing, all right? But here a few years ago, I think it was like about 2015, you've heard my story. Just I got a phone call from a friend of mine who was a neighbor and was now in banking and she said, would you consider being a part of the Gladstone Chamber? And when she said that, I just, in my mind, was just already say, no, no, ain't going to happen. No, 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 no. And she just said, hey, would you think about it? And I, I said, yes, just saying yes, I just give her a call in a week or two and just say no. But God began to convict me and said, Bob, come on, man, this is an opportunity for you to be salt and to be light. And step into an arena, listen, where it's not about Bob. Right? It's not about Pastor Bob. You walk in and you, you begin to meet people who, who talk a little bit different than I'm used to hearing people talk. And they drink things that I don't drink. That's, that's good. That's where Jesus would be, amen? And I think well, you, many of you are in that culture. You're there in that work environment. You're there in those kind of family dynamics. And, and just embrace the fact that you are salt, amen? amen. Embrace that. So we get to live that out. And God has used that in my life to just remind me it's not about me. It's not just about being hunkered down somewhere. It's just like, just get out there. And, you, and man, in your neighborhood and just making those connections with people, praying with people, encouraging people. We're thankful for our neighborhood. We've got a great neighborhood. We have some believers in our neighborhood and some that aren't believers in our neighborhood. We're able to have conversations. We've had times even to pray over people, to have some gospel conversations where one neighbor just said one time, this to me did this, just that's enough. And I, I got the picture, that was it. But still was gracious. We still have a connection together and we can have a little bit of conversation. That's, that's, that's okay. We're just let, be who you are. Be who God called you to be. Don't try to be anybody else. Just be who you are. So what does it look like to be salt? I just thought about this example. And I'm not, I don't mean this to be political at all, but here's my example. How to be salt. I'm thinking about abortion for an example. Uh, we as Christians with salt should champion life. I, I think for the most part, we, we get that, amen, to champion the lives of others. I would say with that, vote for reg legislation that would eliminate abortion at any stage in a pregnancy. Amen. You know, I would just say vote well, yeah. vote well. I, again, I, as a pastor, it's not my right to tell you how to vote, but I would invite you and consider you to pray and vote 
pro-life, right? I'm just, just a thought there. I'm, I guess got to, um, I'm not going to go there. I, I did it first service, not going to happen this service. Uh, but I'm just saying, man, we got to, let, let's, let's do our part, amen? amen. To do something, uh, uh, resource health. Uh, many of you may know Resource Health is a pregnancy center that we part with, partner with. And they have maybe, I think now, four locations around. They have one over here on, help me, Judy, Vivian Road. Thank you. On Vivian Road. They do a, a wonderful job. Our church uh, has people who serve there. Uh, we also, on a monthly basis, uh, provide resources financially. I think right now we're giving $800 a month to help them with those processes and things. And that, to me, that's a good, that's a good place. Help to be involved. Are you with me, church? Be involved as a, a church and that life matters. Life matters. Life in the womb matters. I came across an example this last week in, in uh, researching where it just had a, it said a, a writing a few centuries before the time of Christ, Plato and Aristotle recommended abortion under circum circumstances for the good of society. So abortion is not a 20th century deal. It's always been that way, for most part. I even did some reading, like 1500 BC, there were people who were aborting babies. In the first century at Rome, they were taking babies and throwing them on the trash, garbage trash. They were, and the, and it's, it's always happened, church. But you think about that first century church, that, that first century church flourished with the gospel. Are you hearing me? The gospel flourished. Even in all that stuff going on, it was crazy. Romans never married for love. They, they married for having babies and they had other people to have other things with them, man. That's, that's just what it was. You see, the apostle Paul over and over again just went with the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. We're probably watching too much news. We can let it, it can let it get to us, man. I, I like to be a little bit up on news. It's time to tell my wife, it's just time to turn this thing off, all right? It's just time to turn it off. Not helping, not helping. Updated figures from the, from the National Right of Life Commi uh, Committee in 2022 reports that almost 63.5 million babies have been killed in abortion since the Supreme Court legalized abortion in Roe versus Wade in 1973. 63.5 million babies. I, did look, I looked at, I think Missouri has around 5 million people right now, 5 million, Kansas, 3.1 or so, 2.8 maybe in Arkansas. So what does that work out to be? I'm not good at math. That's probably what, almost 10 million? Work with me, church. I mean, help me. Okay, about 10 million times, however those three states again would be, to have 63 million kids. It's, I, it's, it's unfathomable, isn't it? You can't hardly wrap our arms around. But sometimes we just, it just, for us, it's like, oh, it's just another thing that happens. But how can God, we don't pray enough. I don't pray enough. I rarely pray for babies to be saved. I rarely pray for that. And I'm not proud about that. I'm just being honest with you. I don't, until I get convicted, talk, I don't think about it sometimes. We don't pray enough. We don't engage our culture graciously with salt. Hear me now, graciously. I'm not saying we dumb down the gospel. I'm just saying, just don't be an idiot, right? 
Don't, don't be a person that's just is antagonist. It doesn't, doesn't help the gospel, church. It's not about arguing people into heaven, right? I'm not saying we roll over and just play dead. I'm just saying be salt. Be Jesus. Be Jesus. Jesus ripped into who first? The religious people. Us. It was always for those who were outside, had no religion, no faith. So what does God's word have to say about life? Psalm 139. For it was you, God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. The awesome gift of creation, amen. The awesome gift of life. And we're not careful, church. We hang out too long in the salt shaker. I would say, this is not wrong, I'm glad you're here. But right in this room, this is good, we're here. Right here is a salt shaker. That's a good thing, all right? We're right here, salt shakers. But when we live, at, walk out of this place, are you with me, church family? Then how can we flavor and how can we do what God has called us to make a difference in the lives of others? We have wonderful Sunday morning worship or I mean, kids ministry and student ministry. Uh, our, this our building here, all the things we have here. Just, just wow, this is just amazing. It's just, it's just amazing. But it's not, it's not about this stuff. It's about what we look like when we leave this place. Yeah. And Jesus saying, the truth of the gospel gives us hope. Gives us hope. Jesus is saying, salt is meant to shake. We've got to get the salt out of the salt shaker. Not only the priority of salt, but the necessity of light. You are the light of the world. Again, grammatically, you and, and you alone. It's emphatic. You and you alone are the light of the world. You back here and you over here, right here. You and 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 you. Are you, are you with me? We get you and you and you and you and you, not us and us and us. It's you and you and you. We're light and we're salt. Salt. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. By God's grace, may we be a city on a hill that light illuminates, light shines, light symbolizes truth and hope of the gospel. You don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. Well, because that defeats the whole purpose of light. He's reminding us that we are the light of the world and by the grace of God can push out the darkness to let our light shine. Amen. Kids' songs have great theolo theology. That, that's kids' song. This is the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This is the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan... It out. I'm going to let it shine. All that. I'm going to hide it under a bushel. 
all the kids love that, you know, but that is so simple, but yet so significant. This little light of mine, you, little light of mine, and you, and, and you, and you right there, and you, to let our light shine. I'm afraid sometimes we can gather at a worship gathering like this, and it's great to gather, but we just walk out and just the rest of the week. I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm, I'm being maybe a little hard there, but we just kind of walk out and kind of do our own thing. and don't even kind of think about maybe what we need to be doing and how can God can use us in, in different ways. I'm, when I say that, I'm, I'm convicted myself with that. We're the light of the world. And when he says that, he's reminding that that's the, the, the work of darkness. The darkness of our world that is spiritual and social and physical darkness, in essence, dominates us. It dominates us. You've, you've been spelunking before, right? How many of you guys have been spelunking, doing cave? You can't work with me here, been in a cave? That's it, just a few of you, more than that. That's it? You get in there, you got that flashlight, right? And you get in there, and then you get, somebody says, hey, let's turn out our flashlights off. Let's turn them off. And you turn it off, and what, how, what is it? You just feel the darkness. It's just, it's something, isn't it? You turn that flashlight on and it just illuminates. It brings, it brings life. And so with our light, it's not trying to blind somebody in their eyes with a light. Don't, that's, oh man, that's too much light. That's too, too much stuff, man. It's not, it's not to, to do that. It's just to let people by God's grace, see our heart, see our life, and make a difference by the way we shine our life. In essence, we'd say it often in Antioch that, that context determines meaning, and I, I, I've, I've got some in here that really know uh, theology too and can help with, but here's what I've, I sense this passage here in Matthew 5, that light is living out the eight Beatitudes, the eight blessings. We're, we're, we're living that out. The, the poor in spirit. We are, we are, he's talking about, we are poor in spirit. We're, we're spiritually bankrupt. We, we desperately need Jesus. Those who mourn that we would repent over our sin, the, the meek, represents that we have humility. Those who are hungry and thirst is not for water and food, but it's to pursue right living. The merciful demonstrate mercy, compassion. The pure in heart, by God's grace, live with integrity. The peacemakers pursue and, and they pe have peace. In persecution, we step in with light and with salt to make a difference in the world with others. It's been said that while your faith and my faith may be personal, it is never private. While your faith and my faith may be personal, it is never private. We are light and salt. Let me just give you a couple thoughts in closing here. Salt and light, just a one a thought here. Number one, salt and light demonstrates good works. Salt and light is a demonstration of good works. Not how good Bob is or how good you are, but how good Jesus is. Salt and light. Salt and light, don't miss this, also validates God's glory. 
Look at the text here in verse 16. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. And then what? It's all about you? No. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That when our light shines, it's, it's about God and his glory and, and his greatness. As the psalmist reminds us, great is the Lord and great to be praised. And his greatness is beyond discovery. His greatness is unsearchable. The doxology, the glory of God. So the reason God's calls to be salt and light is not for you or for me. It's for God and his greatness and his glory. I love that section where Jesus says that. In the same way, let your light shine for others that they can see your good works and then give glory to your Father who is in heaven. By God's grace, may we give our Father who is in heaven, the glory that he deserves. John Piper, John Piper, pastor and author, writes, you are either a microscope or a telescope. When people see you, do they see a dinky little God who can be seen only under a microscope? Or do people see a holy, awesome, majestic God as if they were looking through a telescope? Let's shake and shine and be the salt and light of the world. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your greatness and goodness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the teaching of Jesus in Matthew's gospel and the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and the convicting work of your word in our lives. Thank you for that. Thank you. So Father, today, help us to live out our faith to be salt and light. We all have different personalities. We have all, have all the different environments in which we live or where we work. All those things, God, that's good. We're all different. And so use our differences to make a difference in the lives of others, Father. How could it look this week for me and for, for us, for the yous in this room, this week to make a difference with salt and with light, it may even start right in a marriage. It may start right in a family dynamic. It might start right in a work environment. And God, you'd use your word to make a difference in our lives. May our lives, by your grace and for your glory, make a difference for you, we pray. And I just also, God, as we pray today, I just, for anyone in this room or watching online who may have questions about faith, about Jesus, and what does all this even mean? That today you would draw them to yourself to realize that Jesus is the answer. God, you've called us, you died on the cross that we might have eternal life and by calling upon your name, recognizing our sinfulness and we, we say no to that, we, have, we repent of our sin and just call upon your name. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ not might or maybe, but will be delivered and saved and rescued. So, so encourage those who need Jesus to make that step to call upon your name. And then we as believers this week, God, use us to be salt and light, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org.
God's best to you.